0: it's the redirect podcast search industry research discussion and analysis from the black truck media and marketing headquarters and now redirecting you to the black truck team
1: welcome to episode 56 of the redirect podcast it's friday september 7th 2018 I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Patrick and Ashley from the Black Truck team. Welcome, gang. Hello. Hey, we're back to our Friday recording sessions here. We're past the Labor Day weekend, so I think pretty much from here through Thanksgiving, we should be able to follow our normal schedule, (laughs) I would think. I mean, Halloween's thrown in there, but...
2: Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Alright, so I, I guess to kinda catch catch up in, in terms of any big like industry rumblings or something, so Chrome turned ten um this week. So, so did DuckDuckGo.
2: I yeah. Oh I was almost gonna talk man. about that. me
0: too. Who has too. more market share?
2: <laughs> <laughs> DuckDuckGo
0: had point three eight percent market share, mm-hmm. I think I read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Compared to Google's. <laughs> but that means still means millions. Seven percent. Yeah, yeah, that still no, means I'm millions. Not, not, not um discounting that at all, yeah, they just secured oh. <laughs> funding to
0: move into Canada too, did they
1: yeah, oh, sorry, <laughs> I think that uh I the other one that I was going to pick up on, Ashley, you had mentioned it too um, was search console mm-hmm. is now the newest version uh that we've been playing with for the past how long we've had we've been at beta for okay. a year <laughs> for a year um is now out of beta mm-hmm. and has become the New reality. Um, what's you guys' initial like? Just real quick, top level. What's your initial, um, initial feedback on it? Now, I mean, we've played with it for a year. I know Pat's going to have different opinion on it than Ashley. So,
2: I mean, my first reaction is the interface is much more pretty, <laughs> which doesn't mean anything, right? Yay! But <laughs> uh,
0: I gotta play with it more. Uh, there's definitely features that were in the legacy that I prefer over the new, but that yeah. can be said about any kind of yeah. transition and well, a major revamp.
2: And apparently, yeah, they're going to still be migrating those features over. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. and I think I
1: think so. The the point to make too is that not all uh, accounts were in beta. But right. So mm. so we had a we had a good number of accounts that were not in beta and were' in the traditional legacy version and we had a few that were in that were in beta so right we had to play with
0: yeah I I pretty much anytime I went into search console I went back to the legacy yeah and now I'm forced to stick with the the new and that, that's my own fault I should have been playing more with with the yeah. new more to get used to it to get ready for it now yeah. I'm forced to Get in
2: there. I'm annoyed because it defaults, at m- most of the accounts that I've been playing in so far, um, it defaults to showing you the impressions and clicks um, when you look at the performance report. Uh, if you add click-through rate and um, ranking position, the display, even on our big monitors, the dis- like it's, you're stuck within this frame Mm, in, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on the screen. Mm -hmm, And so you have to scroll over. It's not user-friendly in that way. (laughs) Well,
1: I will tell you that the new keyword, uh, I keep wanting to call it keyword explorer. That's Maz's tool. Um, the, uh, keyword planner tool, the same thing, it defaults to the new beta, uh, keyword planner inside of, of Google ads. And that's, Pat and I both have expressed our, our uh, displeasure with that tool as most uh, <laughs> folks in the SEM, PPC managers, um, it's, a, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's great for n- noobs, but when you want to jump in and actually start to, to dive into um, building out those seed
0: keywords and like ad the-
1: group ideas and things like that from an ideation perspective, it's terrible.
0: Yeah, it's throwing a bunch of data <clears throat> at you that I don't know how to use. It's not really relevant for when you're, yeah. in my opinion, it's not
1: really relevant for um, a professional who's looking to build a campaign, or if you're looking to build out a case for what a budget should be, right? Yeah. Right? So, um, anyways, a little industry babble and chatter. I'm going to continue on with the um, PPC discussions, if you guys are, are cool with that. Mm-hmm. So, no, no. <laughs> Damn it. So Google pushes further into the machine learning realm with another new update to its ads platform, uh, and we will now officially start to call it more Google Ads and not AdWords, even though ads.google.com 404s. Um <laughs> This time, machine learning and Google, they're, they're kind of combining things here and taking aim at what are known as close variants. And I put in parentheses in my show notes here of keywords. Uh, this time, it's in an exact match play. So close variants are nothing new to Google Ads. Uh, if you jump back to around 2014, misspellings and plurals were included. So uh, meaning you could target the phrase blue sock as, as a phrase. And it would also be relevant for someone seeking... You know, blue socks as well as um, blue Sox, S-O-X, not socks, S O X, not S O C K S, right? So, and then don't confuse that with Red Sox, the sports team, obviously. And then again, for 2017, the close variants were for uh, different functions of a word uh, or their order. So, uh, a word might have a little bit of a, um, it might have a double meaning depending on the industry or depending on the product or something like that. This one, uh, this time, this rollout, this week is uh, the the goal of these close close variant changes are and within the exact match keyword targeting. So for those who may or may not understand what exact match is, I'm going to use Google's example is that um, their keyword for exact match is Yosemite camping. It has to be exactly that. It's It's very, this is very black and white. It has to be Yosemite camping. That's what the person types in. It can't be, um, or at least up till recent, it couldn't be like a paraphrase of that. You know, Yosemite campground or anything like that. Or camping in Yosemite. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That would be phrase match or broad match or modified broad right. or something like that. I'm I'm thinking of a blog topic here right now. For- <laughs> SEM 101 Keyword Match Types. Yeah. Um, so what is it, what does it really even look like in practice? Because what the, the goal of this is, the big underlying goal here is that it's, they're, they're working to predict the user's intent. So we know that Google has really been pushing for this in the past year, year and a half about what the intent is. It's something that I feel that we preach all the time is we're really trying with search. We're trying to understand what the user's intent is. We're trying to understand, um, Uh, the what and the why and So I'm going to use Google's example here. There's some great articles out there that uh, I think search engine land probably has one of the best ones right now that um, Ginny Marvin wrote uh, yesterday, I think it was late yesterday that came out but picking on the whole Yosemite camping as the phrase What it means is that they can basically say that if someone searches for Yosemite National Park California Camping or Yosemite Campground, campsites in Yosemite, those are all related. That's the big ticket. Like, is it related? So, Yosemite National Park CA Camping. There's an implied keyword there. Yosemite Camping is included there. Now, I look at that and go, well, that's a damn phrase match, but okay. And then Yosemite campground, paraphrase, and then campsites in Yosemite. So it's the same intent. Um, they're, they're very much playing off of, are these related? They all have a very similar intent. This is a person who is actively looking and researching how to, where to, uh, wants to camp mm-hmm. clearly in Yosemite. Um, so big, big reasons for this change. Um They, we know that Google's pushing more and more into machine learning uh, and understanding how, uh, as Ginny put it, to to, to use her words, I think this is great. Um, They're using machine learning to understand how queries align with keyword intent. Yes, kind of already covered that. Um, The other thing that that is mentioned here is that um, Google's internal data shows that some 15% of daily searches are new, right? So there's something like one one, uh, what is it? One over one trillion searches are done, something like that a day. Fifteen uh, percent of those are new, which is pretty which is pretty incredible when you think of that. So, um, being able to expand that out, it gives an advertiser additional opportunities to show their ads uh, without having to build out crazy crazy lists. And also keeping control of not having to run such a large negative list. Like you could have done this before with like a modified broad match uh, targeting strategy, but you would have probably had to run a pretty heavy negative list to to try and weed out mm-hmm. certain things. So, um, so it's very interesting how things are. It's kind of as as Jenny puts it, they're they're flipping the campaign setup and management on its head a bit, spending less time creating, you know, these massive keyword lists up front mm-hmm. uh, to then mine search terms uh, reports again for new and negative keywords, as I mentioned, um, once it gains traction. So it's, it's, it's flipping the model around. It's saying, let's go after these things. We want to be relevant for anything related to camping in Yosemite. That's really what it is. So go after the exact match of Yosemite camping, close variants, great, go live then tune a little bit in from there Um, this doesn't apply to broad broad match modifier or phrase match so um, if you're going after um, uh, for instance if you're going after camping Yosemite or Yosemite camping like cheap camping in Yosemite will not show up or free camping does that make sense Hmm. okay that clarifies mm -hmm, it for me a little mm -hmm. bit so it's, it's almost as if i don't know how to say it it's it's almost like you're including the negative up front you're you're basically saying this is what i want to go after whereas if you went to the if you if you were to do yosemite camping as a phrase match cheap could be included in there free could be included in there overnight blah 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 uh, or discount if you don't want things like discount free cheap You'd have to run those as negatives. Mm-hmm. In In this case, um, it's tightening that up right up front out of the gate. Um, I think that it will be interesting to test that theory and see how that, that works a little bit. People that are running ad groups right now that are, you know, I've seen a lot of campaign structures that are set up where there are ad groups that are broad Uh, There are ad group and then they have an ad group that's phrase match and then they have an ad group that's exact match Um, That's going to get really interesting because things are going to start to compete a little bit um, like Closer than one another. It's almost as if you know as Google pushes us all more into this machine side They're going to say go toward this model and uh, I'm not going to say shut the other ones down because I think there's still a a bunch of opportunity there, but <laughs> so it's gonna be interesting to see. Um uh, they're saying that the change is gonna roll out for English keywords um, through October, uh and they'll come to other languages uh, to come. So um you're gonna to want to pay pretty close attention to your search term reports, uh, where your exact match keywords are before and after the rollout, um, and watch your negatives because you might want to add uh, negatives, remove negatives, uh, or add in new, new, uh, new keywords. So, um, and then certainly, Jenny makes a really great closing segment uh, point here. In her segment, is that if you're running scripts, you're gonna want to watch um, those two pretty closely. So, enough geek out on hmm. PVC
0: stuff. I'm gonna let you guys talk about. So actually, that actually kind of plays a little bit into what I wanted to talk about. Take it away. Um, so I wanted to talk more about, in general, search search in general, mm-hmm. um, not in keyword-driven, um, semantic search. Cool. Uh, I found an article on uh, Search Engine Journal from a few days ago and, uh, discussing um, the history of search, mm-hmm. basically, and how specific used to be, more exact match, and then how it became more uh, intent-driven as we've moved down the road here. And something that I've really been trying to focus on lately and not losing sleep over is finding that magic keyword in a subject um, that has lots of variation to it. Um, And that is through uh, semantic search and user intent and how search engines are getting smarter and they can kind of understand what the intent is when you're trying to make the search and can provide you the suggestions to help you refine your search for maybe your second and third iterations of what that search mm-hmm. is that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the suggestion here is um, not to say that keyword specific, specificity is dead, but that you no know, keyword phrases are still very important. However, you should craft your content around themes mm-hmm. and intents based on your keyword list. Mm-hmm. Um, a strategy could be to create... Um, intent-driven keyword lists and then write themed content around that and have different subjects, different segments of your website rather than having one page that's specifically just about option A and then writing an entire page about option B that the two don't have any kind of harmony together. Mm-hmm. Instead, have your site kind of all be harmonious together and then it, it within the subject of your content roll it all together to have a theme together um, it's still saying that there's lots of other all, all the technical seo is still really important with um, semantic based search uh, you know the things such as um, you know, keywords obviously link building structured data errors fixing the errors site speed optimize your site structure or ux uh, ux is a big one in my eyes as far as uh, how your content is driven and how users influence your, react with your, your content. And for me I've been always trying to focus on content and keyword usage on a human level. Mm-hmm. And the human level is is huge on what's happening with voice search. And you guys have heard me saying for a year now since we started this podcast is that if you have good, clean, human driven content that's with human-based keywords and phrasing, you don't have to do anything special for your your voice search optimization mm-hmm. because it's already voice searched yeah, If you're it's, ri- it's writing there, like a human, sure. it's there, it's built in. And so as, as the algorithms and um, mobile based indexing is moving towards doing things in this human format, if you can write your content to be topic driven, focused around certain subjects and keyword phrases that have lots of variations and tenses and, and uses, it's all going to rise to the top. Uh, you know we, we've talked here um, lots of times about the differences for example in saying near me versus in city x you're going to get different results depending on where you're located and what it is you're searching for and mm-hmm. how you're searching for if if in city x is far away or you happen to be in that city versus a near me you know you're going to get different results um, and that's all part of the Uh, the semantic search elements that are out there, that you have to write like a user in an intelligent, authoritative way. Well, it it goes
1: back to, um, it's, it's really fascinating and it's, what's even fascinating more is that, because I don't think you're, what you're talking about is probably, I, I think for, for us here, it's almost, and you mentioned it before we hit record, it's almost like rehashing things that we already know, mm-hmm. but that's no different than going to a conference and listening to somebody on stage going, "Ah, all right, cool. I'm thinking about this, right?" Mm-hmm. But it's also it's also cause for concern a little bit too. To go here, we are in 2018, and we're going. Uh, wait, we need to do what? Because you know the the concept of semantics in search. Um, you know, Google's knowledge graph goes back to, to 2012. I had to dig up real quick when you were thinking about that because, or when you were talking because I immediately thought about that. So back May 16, 2012, introducing the knowledge graph, things, not strings. So they're very focused on gaining a better understanding about what the, the next user will want or what the user wants next. So it helps us understand more completely what those searches mean. Um, to, to kind of more fulfill and not disappoint mm-hmm. uh, with those with uh, uh, To your point, I, I think Pat, just a one, one one keyword search or something like that, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to mention the authority that you can build on a page where it, rather than having two separate pages on r- related topics that are fo- focused on different keywords, as you mentioned before, if they're related and there are other relevant topics that they can all be discussed on the same page mm-hmm. that's really contributing to your authority on that particular topic then that's going to be a winner mm-hmm. in the long run yeah, yeah.
1: And, and that goes back to i mean how do you so how do we tie this into into the content side i'm kind of playing into hopefully your <laughs> your your topic here your strength but it's really like well where are we where are we placing uh, what's the what's the value, mm-hmm. right? That we're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, are we are we answering all the questions, if you will, of that would be searcher and and then um, the humanistic side? Is it structured in a way that people can actually read the, the right. content? Yeah.
2: Take it away. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. So this is actually <laughs> <you're> sitting there <laughs> shaking her head like, mm-hmm. yeah, good, mm-hmm. yep. So this is actually not really tied in too much with the previous discussion but um also a kind of like not new topic but something that I think is worth discussing because it's driven towards the more human-centered elements of search and time stamping on articles Mm. blog posts
1: something just came up on that recently
2: well, the trigger the trigger for me yeah, the trigger for me today was um, I came across a search engine roundtable um, post on how John Mueller from Google responded to someone on Twitter um, who had asked about if it's bad if you don't have a timestamp on mm. your articles or something to that effect and and John's response was, "Well, why wouldn't you use?" A time. Why wouldn't you put the date on it? That's helpful to people. And I've been going back and forth on this for a while because I keep coming back to the presentation from Taylor Coyle at MozCon that we had discussed in um, episode fifty-one too. So we'll link back to that. But she had discussed the the concept of creating resources for your visitors rather than just blog posts and she um kind of differentiated between something posting something that's just timely and that's going to be kind of a blip on your analytics Mm. from that you know timely traffic and then it's going to go away and that kind of feeds into the the kind of our philosophy as seos is we want to create search focused content that's not always going to be in the form of a blog post, because blog posts historically have been dated, have been organized by time, and Taylor made a great point in her presentation too, that unless you're a huge resource that that people will commonly go to to, to get updated information, in general, users probably aren't coming to your website to peruse your, bro- your blog.
1: Yeah, and, and to kind of add to that, I think that's a thank you for saying that because most, let's just think about most companies, whether you're B2B or B2C, like if you're trying to latch on to the opportunity that is newsworthy or buzzworthy, I'll go out on a limb here it probably shouldn't be on your site anyways, mm, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be, uh, to your point, short-lived. Mm-hmm. You're better off figuring out a way that that can be played into like the ultimate uh, link building and, and PR, uh, probably, campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're just posting it on your website and doing the whole field of dreams, if I build it, they will come, that's not going to happen. And it's probably not really relevant for the long-term success of your company. Right. So,
2: and and there's also the case where you might maintain a blog for for PR purposes or investor relation purposes with those timely updates. You know that it may not be it may not play into this search element as much. You need to have that information there for mm-hmm. people who are coming to your website for that information. But um, when we're talking about yeah, creating content that's going to have value in the long run, not only not. <clears throat> let me start over it's not just <laughs> creating content that's only going to be relevant for that point in time too that may have value mm-hmm. it could especially mm-hmm. if it's if it's an event or something that's gonna that's going to bring people back to your website when they're researching it or something like that
1: yeah because it's been I mean it's been proven that users do Unless it's news content, unless it's news content, which right now, let's be real, Google's dominating their own news mm-hmm. anyway in terms of a newsfeed. And I'm no journalist; I'm to look to pad on that stuff. But like, a user doesn't care what the most of the time what a time date stamp is on it. I disagree wholeheartedly.
2: I, and this, I think, it's a big um, debate. Yeah, please.
1: I, I think I think I'm just gonna interject that I think that if I have a really great piece of content that's like if that is ranking already and I know it's an authoritative resource and I have a killer title and description that's gonna cost for a click-through rate, then I'm not as concerned about the
0: the timestamp. Okay, so to to opposite that. You wrote that article and it did well, and it's now two years later. And it's still, it's still a relevant topic. Mm-hmm. Will it show up in search? Okay, let me ask you guys a question. In the way, as users, not marketers, as a user, when you look for something in, in a Google search, do you ever go, do you click the tools button and then click anytime and then narrow your search by date?
1: No.
2: Very rarely, really, mm-hmm.
0: ain't got time for that. Pat. It, it's dude, It depends. it's, it's it two quick. It's right on the screen. It's it's right there. I do it. I'd say ten, no, um, eight and a half out of ten searches. I do it by search. So by the day. reason the hmm. reason
1: I don't is is basically exactly to your point. Not to get into a huge debate over, it, but exactly to your point is that if it's a relevant source, like a really good source, which means which means what. It's it's getting impression share in the serps. It's getting clicks. It's found as a relevant source so it continues to come to the top, right? right? If it helps me answer my question, I don't care what the date is, if ultimate, because there are some things that are written yesterday that are shit, shit garbage agreed. content. <laughs>
0: agreed, agreed, but your article that was written perfectly two years ago has potential major impacts today in the way an algorithm may have changed. Sure, I, 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 well, I agree, but how, so how would you go about changing that, what's what's a? I don't have an answer for that other than using uh, your own skills as a, as a user to determine if this is relevant to my search or not. So it's interesting, You so fascinating, this is cool. Um, you bring up a, a, a
1: point, I, I had an opportunity to speak at a local university here last, last week, and one of the students in the back, I had, I had thrown a stat up about, you know, like, uh, I think it's like 18% of search queries, so 18% of search queries get changed. So 18% of the time, you as a user, change your search query because you're not happy with the results you're getting. His response was, this individual's response was, basically, he put that on the user. Well, maybe that's because the user's not searching for something. I said, well, wait a minute. Interesting. Is that really the user's fault, or is it a combination of the search engine and the content's fault? Like, let's not, I mean, we kind of have the rule of thumb, like, mm, like, my mantra has always been like, just assume everybody is not as educated online. But at the same time, like if if there's a if there's a, a site that's ranking, a piece of content that's ranking, regardless of its date, regardless of any of that, author, anything, like, is that really the user's fault? And are we gonna are do why why do we expect the user to have to go and change hmm what they're doing and make changes to the way that they're searching and using Google. And I think that's Google's, like, if you study the future of Google and the changes that they made with machine learning and stuff, I think Google internally is combating that huge right now to say, I, don't, I need to provide you, the user, the best result possible. And if I continue to frustrate you, you're
0: not going to use Google. Hmm. Interesting. So one of the ways I use Google as a research tool just for for personal, not as a marketer. <laughs> a typical researcher, yes, okay. Um, I will use it as a step. My first my first search is a step in the process because I might not really understand what it is I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. so I'll use it as a way to refine. So if I'm trying to come up with subject a, but my, search re- my first search reveals that, actually, I need A.5. Mm-hmm. Not quite mm-hmm. B, but 8.5. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I will refine my search. Because my first search revealed to me that like I didn't quite get it right. Mm-hmm. But it's not a fault of the search. It's not a fault of me. It's me in the process of educating myself. Mm-hmm. The same way I'm doing a research paper or any type of homework, I have to come to my own conclusion. Right. And part of search is me coming to my own conclusion by what my results are. Mm-hmm. It'll teach me to refine my my. Phrasing, and well, at least you're not going to Facebook to find that out. Oh, yeah.
1: Sorry, actually, we were real No, the no, that's whole, fine. The whole that's side. fine.
2: But <clears throat> back to the concept of timestamps. Um,
1: yes, do they matter?
2: I mean, I think we've seen in, in discussion with um, people from Google that no, not really. It, it depends on are people still finding your information relevant and helpful. Um, if the date does show up in the SERPs, which it doesn't always, like I'm looking, I just did a general search on Google here for Facebook feed to see what came up. And there's like the top news stories up top and then some people, people also ask box. And then there's, um, some blue links below and only one of them has a date. Actually, yeah, only one of them has a date like in the description. Hmm. So can, it,
0: while we so can we do a real time example or a test here? At the top, click on tools and now click on any time
2: mm-hmm. and
0: do past week. And did it change much for you?
2: Um, now it changed to six days ago, fifteen hours ago, seven days ago, two days ago. But
1: and they're all news sources.
2: Hmm. Yeah, because if you refine your search Correct. to be more right. timely.
1: It's S- similar to if you go to, say, Google Trends, um, pull data for, I, I don't know if it was jump shot or who, I, I, this was a piece that I included in the slide deck. Look at what people searched globally for, um, say, all of 2017 versus what did they search for in just June of 2018. And what you see is you see, um, when you're looking at things at a broad scale, longer date range, you see, um, this plays right into timestamp, I'm going somewhere, Mm -hmm. you see a lot of brands. So it's heavy up on brand, um, big brands, people searching for brands. Unfortunately, people searching Google for Google Google Mm -hmm. or their Facebook login. But then if you look at at an actual, the data for a month, it's buzzworthy, newsworthy, plays directly into that sort-by-most-recent date. I think that, what you tap into in some cases their Pat, maybe, is a part of their news engine. It could be part of their news engine, yeah. but it could be
0: part of anything else. Depending on the topic, Just yeah. Just
2: knowing, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if someone refines their search to be within a certain time frame, then
0: Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. The
2: timeliness of it being published is totally. what is the most important one of the most important factors. True,
0: you know that what what is news is only relevant to what that searcher is. So if you just did a search. That, I mean, Facebook is big in the news right now because uh, they just had a hearing in front of Congress this week. Um, if I were to do a search for uh, SEO trends in uh, upcoming SEO trends for 2019, or something like that, and then I do the the date stamp there. I do it in the past month. That becomes a newsfeed because those SEO articles written by SEO professionals becomes your newsfeed, and it's news at that point. So
1: we we can all agree then that if there is a date modifier attached to it, then date becomes more important. Perhaps to a user, right? Like you're not right. you're not going to look at if you're just searching for SEO trends 2018, 2019, you would hope to see the most recent. Um, whereas if you search for SEO trends, um, you may see some differences there. Um, so I think anytime you have just like a geo modifier, things are going to be tailored toward that. Um, so what was the what's what's your what's your take on it?
2: Well, in, inconclusive at this time, <laughs> but it's just it's something that's been rolling around in my head because I work with a lot of our clients on content strategy, and um, you know, for some clients, we're thinking about how we might restructure their website to make it more user friendly, and. I I wonder if we really want something at the top of the page that says blog because knowing I mean that's this is assuming people have already landed on the site and they're looking around but um, it's just thinking about that different approach of you know blog post versus resource resources can take more time to develop. Um, it. I think it's probably a bigger. Topic, That's a perception
1: thing, right? That's a. It, is that a perception versus?
2: Uh, it depends. I mean, I'm kind of going off of a little bit what Taylor had shared in her, in her MozCon presentation too, which um, she was talking about some like huge resources that like um, it was like a benchmarking report that she had worked on at one point. So it's going to depend on your industry, on the situation. Um, but I guess the main thing I wanted to discuss today was the idea of the content you create, the pages that you create on your website, if they're not your, your cornerstone content, um, like your main pages, but more so what we would traditionally maybe consider being more blog or article type mm-hmm. content, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the timestamp really important for that and I will say, I think it is, as from a user perspective, you want to know that that information is up to date. Um, but if it's something that's, a, like a resource is going to be more timeless, if it's something that's always going to be useful, um, it might just be something about, with your content manager, making a note saying, you know, this... Has, this information was reviewed and is relevant for 2018, or whatever, I don't know, but what gets me is the thought of me posting something in September 2018, and someone coming across it in September 2019, they see that it's a year old, they might think it's outdated purely by the date, but the information might be 100% relevant. So I think the timestamp can work against your credibility yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: I, 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 I agree. I agree. I, I think that in depending on what, depending on what it is, I think mm-hmm. that people can get too hung up on the date in general. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you're just if if you look at the bulk of the search queries that are done, absolutely, if it has anything to do with like a sports score, a stock trade, um, something... All of those things are what I border along the line of news, buzz... Or just call it buzzworthy. Like, there's a a topic of interest. You're looking at it from that perspective. Date, I think, would be important. Mm -hmm. To Pat's point, like, seeing what's the most current. But if you're just, like, looking how to saw a piece of walnut in half safely... If it gives you the steps, like, do you really care if it was published yesterday or three
0: years ago? I, I don't think that matters. And it, it, it's also an element we haven't really discussed here. The, we're talking about a, a, a visual date and timestamp that a user can see. Yes. There's a date and timestamp <laughs> embedded in everything that Google reads. So regardless, when you do, if, if there is a search, that is an element. And if you do a search that ha- is... Um, timeline related even if you don't have a timestamp on it Google still reads that timestamp mm-hmm. and will mm-hmm. have it on there
1: so the I would be curious in, in if in that conversation if it was geared more toward a timestamp in general per what Pat was just saying mm-hmm. or is it more like time timestamp what we know is timestamp that says uh, uh, September 7 2018 was that yeah fair right
2: so the question was. Will it affect my article if I publish without using a date? Hmm. And John's response was, why not put a date on it? I personally find it really useful to know to know that when reading something. It's great to see evergreen content, and it's great to see new looks and an old and at an old or new topic. All have their place. Write something awesome and stand by it was his response. Oh, that's a vague answer. Yeah. Mm. Um yeah. So hmm. anyway, it got me thinking, and it's something that I'm rolling over in my head about just forward thinking. And I,
1: I think it's great. I think I think everybody's brought up really great points. as a good debate about how you think about your content in general. Don't don't be um, to your point, and probably to Taylor's point too, is that like don't restrict yourself in your content strategy to just blog. Think of this as how you structure it as resources for different themes back to the keyword semantic search. Mm -hmm. Um, I would certainly think that you want to be, if you're thinking about your keyword, um, keywords thematically, you need to be thinking about your content thematically, regardless of, is this a blog? Is it a resource? You know, where does this live? Is it a cornerstone or keystone page? What, Mm -hmm. what
0: is this in my site? Um, it, yeah. I'd be curious that. to see uh, search data on the modifier article and the modifier blog. Hmm. Mm,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And is it, is it matter? I don't know. Or flat, completely flat and not include it. Right. right.
1: <laughs> the debate continues. The <laughs> saga continues. No, that's really good. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, that's, that's why I think the, the, the part of, of digital marketing and SEO that's so fascinating is it's always moving. The Things are always changing. Um. There, everything is so subjective. There isn't a, um, you know, a, a round peg, round hole for every everything. Sometimes we're trying to jam the square peg into the round <laughs> hole. Am I
0: an atypical user? <clears throat> yes, you're very much an atypical user. Because right? you
2: know how the machine works.
0: I do know how the machine works, but yeah. I think I would still know how the machine worked if I wasn't on a search marketer.
2: Not to the extent that you do.
0: True. I think some of that has to do with a little bit of like the
1: journalism background That's and things like too, that. Like right? you're. You're, you're, you you, by nature are more, look at me like, do you want to lay down on the couch and we can have like a full psychological <laughs> conversation <laughs> search right now? It's like, it, it's like you, um, everybody, um, uh, every user is drawn to certain types of content, certain, uh, writing styles, certain, certain themes, right. everything. Uh, and what you're researching and what you're consuming a lot of the time is, is possibly more Time date sensitive than someone else, Mm. and you happen to know how to filter by that. Sure, just like you know how to filter and use advanced filters in image searches too for ideas. Um, I like that. The only thing that pisses me off about image searches Pinterest dominates it, so (laughs) I'll leave it at that. But cool. So learn how to use advanced um, filters in search. Hmm. There's your there's your solution right there, (laughs) and vague answers from John Mueller. (laughs) All right. I think that wraps up episode uh, 56 and uh until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect podcast. Check out the
0: show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.